Let's open our Bibles today to page 881. I want to speak today on a very interesting subject. In fact, Dottie asked me this morning, she said, what are you talking about Tuesday Bible lunch today? I said, well, I'm talking about the comfort of God's presence. And she said, well, now, you know, that, that's, that will be a very interesting subject. And I said, yes, that's why I chose to talk about it. I prayed yesterday with families that were really going through difficult things. I prayed that they would experience the comfort of God's presence. You know, there's nothing. Now, we know we always have God with us. But sometimes it doesn't maybe feel as real or as intimate or as close as at other times. But there are those times that you just feel God's presence in a very special way. And they are precious times. And when you have those times, there's just a comfort that comes to your soul that's absolutely unbelievable. Now, each morning, I do my very best to have, read my Bible scriptures, have my time with God. And in my routine, in reading the different scriptures that I kind of follow along in my little plan that I go by, I also read a Bible devotional book. In other words, one of those books, it will say like July the 19th, July the 20th, July the 24th, and it'll just have a little devotion. And here's what I've learned, at least for me. If I read the scriptures and then I discipline myself each day to read the little devotional for the, in the whatever book I'm choosing to use, that it, it just helps me in, in a very special way. Many times the devotional readings there will be something in that reading that just seems to be what you need for what you're going through at that time. And many other times, what you read in that devotional reading will parallel things you've read in the scripture. So you put them both together and it is a wonderful thing. Now, let me say a brief, quick word about devotional books. Number one, there are endless <laughs> endless numbers of devotional booklets out there. And I was, it'd be interesting how many different ones would be represented in this room today. And, and, and the good thing about all this is that you can find one that works for you. You know, one shoe size does not fit all feet. And when you think about reading the Bible or you, a devotional book like there are some that they are farther along in their Christian journey than others. Others are new believers. Maybe others just never have been much into the Word of God. And so you know, their devotional books, it would be right at that level. And then for those that say, well, you know, I want something a little more with a little more depth in my devotional readings, well, then there are devotional books for that. I, let me just mention five that I, I think, of course, the classic devotional book in all of America that continues to be and has always been since it was uh, printed in the United States, which was way back in 1935, is, my, is Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. And many of you have that devotional book. Now, the, in 1992, that devotional book was revised and the revision, it did not change the good quality of the devotions, but it kind of updated the language from the old King James and the old uh, English way they would have said things back in Oswald Chambers' day. And it is just a marvelous book. Now, I, I still have the old one 
but I'll certainly read from the revised one in 1992. And then, of course, I've mentioned, and we provided this here, uh, made it available, David Jeremiah, many of you watch on TV. His devotional book, like Walking with God, is an excellent devotional book. Uh, God's Best by Lord John Ogilvie is, is just a, you know, now it, it's kind of like a modern day Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his house. It's a great, great book. And then Awake My Heart by J. Sidlow Baxter. If somebody says, well, I want to get a little deeper in the Word of God, well, um, you better put on your life jacket when you get in that book because it'll be a little deeper. And then... Uh, Spurgeon has a morning and evening devotion, but here's the good news. It has been revised in, in 2016. It was updated and it is fantastic. That's the one that I'm working through right now. And we've ordered some of those and we'll be making them available if you might want it. Now there are many others, but this, I just mentioned the devotional books and the reading of the scripture. Together, they help us experience the, the comfort of God's presence. Now, all that said, uh, let me, last, last, last Thursday, July the 14th, I, I open up, I read my scriptures first, and then I open up, the, the Spurgeon is a morning devotion and an, and an evening devotion. Dottie and I do the evening together. We do the morning separate. Well, I open up the devotional book for that day. And interestingly, it's Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now that's an Easter verse. And I thought, my gracious, this hadn't worked out too good. I'm going to read an Easter verse on July the 14th. And, uh, you know, but then I got into that verse and it blessed in a very wonderful way. Now look with me in your Bible on, on that very page uh, that we mentioned, page 881. And there is the little verse. And of course, we hear it every Easter. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, we'll go read some more verses in just a moment. But it, I, I looked at that verse and I read the devotional. And then I reflected on the devotional and I went back to that verse and I thought, wow, this, this is not just for Easter. This is for every, every day because we learn some things as you read this little portion of Scripture. Of course, as we do, we always focus on the resurrection of Jesus. That's the, that's the focus of this whole chapter. But in this chapter, here is this woman, Mary Magdalene, who Jesus had cast out seven demons from her previously, and she had become a devout follower of the Lord. We learn some things from her life, even in that one verse, and then some little verses that follow it, read in just a moment, that I think will help us uh, experience the comfort of God's presence in our daily lives, whatever we may go through. Now, to experience the comfort of God's presence throughout the day, as I look at that verse, the first thing that I see is begin the day in his presence. <laughs> like if I want to experience the presence of God throughout the whole day, the smart thing for me to do in fact, it's the only thing for me to do if I want to experience his presence throughout the whole day is begin the day with him. If you look at this little scripture verse, it says uh, at the first day of the week uh, began to dawn. So it's just now the day is just breaking forth. It's just, it's just barely becoming daylight. And what does she do? Well, she goes uh, to the tomb. And so he, 
becomes uh, the most important thing to her at all. I love the way the New Living Translation translates that. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. You know, communion with God, the first thing in the day, is absolutely necessary to help us navigate ourselves through the day. We all want to feel the comfort of God's presence. Okay, what do we do? Well, she's a good example. We begin the day in his presence. And I encourage you as best you can, let your private prayer time with God in the mornings be regular and frequent. And here's the hard part, undisturbed. That is the hard part, undisturbed. Regular, that's tough. You know, just just say, I'm going to build this into my life, and it's just going to be as much part of my life as brushing my teeth. I'm going to get up in the morning and brush my teeth. Well, as best I can. And there'll be days that you it just it's impossible. But those days don't need to be consecutive. If you start that, you'll build a habit that will become the lifestyle, and that's not a good habit. Number two, to experience God's presence, comfort of God's presence throughout the day. Be faithful to God uh, throughout the day. Now, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. And as you read this little story, in fact, if you look down in verse 9, um, well, look down with me, look down with me in verse 8. It says, so, well, verse 7, the angel said, go out quick and tell his disciples he's risen of the dead. Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Behold, I've told you. Now look in verse eight. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Now look in verse nine. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. And the, we know kind of the rest of that story. But you know, as I looked at it, I thought, you know, they began the day with Jesus. And as the day continued, what did they do? As the day continued, they remained faithful to what God's angel had told them to do. And that is a very uh, encouraging thing. You know, God is always with us. I understand that. But sometimes we don't feel that. We don't sense his presence. And you know, the question would be, now why is that? Well, I think two things. Number one, one of those would be we quench the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know, what is, it, what, what is this thing talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's like when our actions and we do things we know to be wrong, what we do, we just put the fire out. We quench the Holy Spirit, just like you'd spray water on a fire. Well, many times our actions... We, we may not think of it this way, but if we're doing things that would quench God's spirit, uh, we're, we're, we're acting ways that would not be the way God's word teaches to act, or we're just blatantly doing things that we know to be wrong, well, then that, that, would, that would quench the Holy Spirit. I think the other thing that happens to us, sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what is, what is that talking about? Well, it's talking about to live in a sinful way. We don't have time here, but if we went to Ephesians in chapter 4, down about verse 25 and following, then go over to Ephesians chapter 5, there just, there's, list, there's a list of sins that none of us would be guilty of all, but most of us would be guilty of some and those things grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's very sensitive. He's a person. And he's very, very sensitive. 
And you know, we read about like a, like a dove. He, he, it's like he just, he just flutters from our presence. And so every day I, I ask God, now God help my actions today to be such that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't, uh, that I wouldn't quench your spirit or, or I wouldn't grieve your spirit so I can live with the comfort of your presence as I go out today. Now, the third thing that back in, in, in our verse, in Matthew chapter 28, verse one, that I think maybe be the most, the one we deal with the most, and that is to experience God's, the comfort of his presence throughout the day, we have to guard against rivals. Now, look, look, look at this deal. Mary Magdalene, look at it again. The first day of the week, early, now daybreak just coming, and the other Mary came to the tomb. Now look in verse two. Now there, there was at the tomb an earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing is white as the snow. Now, as you read this account, it's interesting. The angel did not become the priority of Mary Magdalene's life. He, he became no rival whatsoever. You know, I, I, I try to think, now how would I, had I gone to the tomb and all of a sudden here appears an angel, I think I'd have been overwhelmed. I think maybe I'd have been fascinated by the angel. Well, you don't read any of this here. The angel just told her what to do. And well, she got out and, and went to work and did what the angel said. So, because what she wanted, she wanted Jesus. Even though the angel was a spectacular thing, not so. Now, how does that relate to us? Well, here's how. Today, in the day in which we live, rivals competing for the things of God are unprecedented. They really are. And hear this, they're not all bad. They just become bad when they take priority over God. I thought about listing some and I thought, well, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. You don't need me to list them. There are so many things. I mean, I think of it in relationship to church. <laughs> you know, like Sunday is just another day in this day we live. But that's not how God sees it. Sunday is the Lord's day. But yet, there are many, many, many today, everywhere, that if there's nothing much else happening, then, and we've, we've raised this now, we're in at least our second generation of kids that we've raised like this. And so they think nothing about it. Well, None of those things are evil things, but when they take priority over the kingdom's work and over the kingdom of God and over God himself, uh, they become rivals. And when we, when we let rivals kind of take over first place, it's a subtle thing. It's a subtle thing. We don't become a legalist, but we just want to do what God says do. And it's not only, it can be the same thing about about, about reading the Bible. About two years ago, it dawned on me that I was led in reading the morning paper take up some of the time that I needed to spend reading the Bible. I love reading the paper. I just really do. 
And I thought, you know, I, I've, I've, I haven't realized it, but I've gotten in kind of a trap. I get into this and, and well, there's nothing wrong with the paper unless I read the paper and neglect the word of God. And so I just quit taking the paper. I said, you know, I, what's the old saying? Uh, it's easier to avoid temptation than to overcome temptation. Would you not agree with that? Go to the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and when the waiter comes, the waitress comes, said, don't bring the chips. Well, if they don't bring the things, I can't eat them. Now, I didn't say I said that. I'm just using that as an example. Okay. Uh, but like, at least we could say, uh, they'll say sometimes, you want us to refill the basket? No, no, no. We don't need to refill the basket. And then we say, well, maybe if you just half refill it, something like that. Well, it's easier to avoid temptation, overcome temptation. And I'm saying to you, and, and, and this is why I don't illustrate, because probably in our life, each of us, the rivals are, are very are many. Like what may be a rival for me may not be a rival for you. So I encourage you, look in your life and say, you know, are there any things or is there any person that has become a rival? In Mary Magdalene's case, not even the angel. And look at that thing and deal with it. And it is a blessed, wonderful thing. You know, here's the good news. <laughs> we don't have to live without experiencing the comfort of the presence of God. We really don't. It's simple. Just start each day in God's presence. Be as faithful as you can with God being your help as you journey through the day. And above all, guard against the rivals. And I deal with that every day of my life. And I hope you do as well. Father God, this is a, I'm glad I had the July 14th devotional. It, 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 it's, it's what we'd normally read at, at Easter. And I don't know I've ever really preached a sermon along these lines because I'm always focusing on resurrection. But we learned something from Mary Magdalene. Now, in her case, the rival could have been an angel, but was not. In our case, it won't probably be an angel, but it'll be something or someone or it may be several somethings and several someones. Help us, God, guard against anything and anybody that becomes priority over our God and kingdom work. Now, Lord, bless each today as they go. Give us safety in this hot weather, God. Help us to be wise and help us today, God, to be a blessing every time we have an opportunity. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.